Bitcoin. Good morning, Bitcoiners. This is your market update for August. Oh man, September 1st, 2017. Okay, let's look at the prices. Bitstamp is just broke 4,800. That is huge. Um, well, 4810 was the high, all-time high now. Just came back within the last couple minutes down to 4798. Uh, futures price right now, uh, 4806. So there is basically zero premium. Let me look at the overlay here. I, I do a chart on TradingView where I overlay the futures uh, on top of the spot. And it does look to be coming back down a little bit. I wouldn't be surprised with a small pullback here, but we're nowhere near the top. I think we're trying to get to that 5,000. Um, of course, we'll probably fall a little bit short of that just to screw the people that have their cells at 5,000. So um, could be like in the 4,900s that we hit a high and then do pull back a little bit. Um, I'm, man, it's gone so far so fast. I wouldn't be surprised with, you know, some more consolidation. I mean, it's it's not going crazy like you see in the altcoins where you have one candle that jumps 50%, but um, it has gone a long way in a very short time. It's it's over 100% move in, in a month or two. So uh, it is steady and going up. Uh, it's not getting out of hand yet, but... I mean, if we break 5,000 and go to like 6,000, 7,000, man, there's a lot of air underneath there that, that can be taken up on a, a pretty sharp sell-off. Anyways, um, market cap, $48 billion. Um, I said earlier, man, maybe four or five episodes ago, that I think we could see a $100 billion market cap by Q1 of next year. I still think that's the case. Global market cap that's including altcoins is $175 billion. And again, if you guys are new, just finding the show, the reason why I talk about this stat as a global market cap for Bitcoin is because Bitcoin underlies this whole ecosystem. You might hear the term that Bitcoin is just an experiment. We've been saying that for a long time, and it still is an experiment. I mean, quantitative easing is an experiment from the Federal Reserve. So, I mean, they, these, all these things are experiments, but, um, the Bitcoin underlies all of this. If Bitcoin were to die, it would invalidate quote unquote blockchain and all of these things would go away. They're all built on the foundation of the security and robustness of Bitcoin. It lends its value to all of these altcoins. So, uh, including Bcash, right? Of course. So that's why I say that this is a global Bitcoin market cap. So if you take all those and you divide those by the Bitcoins outstanding, you get a maximalist price of 10586 GBTC, which is the uh, market exchange, uh, it's on the exchanges, that's the Bitcoin Investment Trust. Uh, they sell shares or their shares represent about a tenth of a Bitcoin. It's actually a little bit less uh, because they do have fees and stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. But it's about a tenth of a Bitcoin, and they are sitting at $1,005. So that's a $10,000 um, equivalent price for a Bitcoin. Huge. So there is a lot of, you know, there's a lot of room to move up. I just don't want to cover that distance very quickly because um, it's going to go really fast, and then it could have a sharp pullback. But, you know, as long as there's no FUD that accompanies that sharp pullback, 
uh, it, it will be short lived. I don't know. I just, I just get worried when I see the price go so far so fast. Anyways, um, maybe that's a new normal. I, I don't know. Local Bitcoin's a 24 hour volume there. That's the OTC kind of peer to peer marketplace, the most popular one out there. There's getting to be more and more of these out there, but, um, that the 24 hour volume there is 8.4 million dollars worth of Bitcoin traded. That's big. That's above average. So that's good. Mempool size is at five megabytes. And I saw this as low as I think like one megabyte, maybe two megabytes. And that means that your transactions can go through. You probably can make free transactions, which I don't recommend, but you know, get a wallet where you can dial in your fees. You can send probably for a penny. You can send a transaction for a penny. You can send a million dollar transaction to anyone in the world with a Bitcoin wallet right now. So all of this FUD about, um, Bitcoin not being, uh, useful for these, these small payments that it's exactly what it is. It's people not knowing what they're talking about. Um, uh, my theory here on this is that the market was, or the, the network was being spammed, uh, by these hostile players that wanted B cash and, now that it looked like Bcash wasn't going to be able to be as profitably as profitably mined as Bitcoin for the foreseeable future, it looked even with a difficulty adjustment coming up for them uh, in a couple of weeks and Bitcoin's difficulty adjustment possibly going up in um, a few days from now, that um, they still weren't, I mean, they were going to be on par basically, maybe a little bit low uh, for profitability. So they started saying, hey, look, we're spamming this. We're creating these high fees, making us less competitive how about we stop the spam and that will make the block reward you know less because the miners will get the block reward plus all the fees and if people paying five dollars per transaction that's adding a lot of fees to each block right like fifteen thousand dollars worth of fees so they said hey let's pull the spam back let's make these fees really low that way we'll be more competitively mined uh, that that's my theory, and it's gonna they're gonna come back. Those the, that spam is gonna come back whenever it fits their narrative, right? And I just want to mention, I, I was laughing at this earlier today. Well, earlier today, that's like two hours. I just woke up, but um, I was looking at transaction transactions per block, and Bcash is an average of eighty two. Eighty two transactions per block. Let me look at this most recent one. Okay, so Bitcoin averages around 2,000 transactions per block. Segwit will add more than that, up to about 4,000 once more people are using Segwit. And BCH is about, I see this one, 69 transactions in a block. And those are, you know where those are coming from? Those aren't coming from merchants, okay? They're coming from exchanges. People sending to and from exchanges. That's about it. Um, I... Recently listened to, I, I listened to Free Talk Live every once in a while, if you guys know that show. And, um, they were talking about, uh, using Bcash, like every, every merchant should be able to accept every cryptocurrency and people should start using Bcash for their purchases. Well, look, how long did it take Bitcoin to get to the level of merchant adoption that it had? Years up to 2014. That's five years since the beginning of Bitcoin. It's going to take Bcash a similar amount of time. I mean, a lot of people dumped their Bcash, a lot. So that network effect that they tried to capture 
from Bitcoin is gone, and it's consolidated into um, you know a lot of a lot of big holders for Bcash. So there's not a lot of people out there that want to spend Bcash anyway, right? It's all speculative by these big holders. It's exactly like any sort of altcoin you see out there. No one is going to spend Neo or pick an altcoin in the top twenty. No one's going to spend that because they own it for speculative reasons. Not to go spend it to buy a cup of coffee. If it pumps in price, what are they going to do? They're going to trade it back in for Bitcoin and spend the Bitcoin. And Bitcoin is going to hold its value a lot better. Because Neo might spike, say, I'm just picking on Neo. I don't really know much about it or anything. But it might spike in price 100% in a couple days and then fall by 90% in two days. So you're not going to hold your wealth in there. If you make big returns on some altcoin or token or whatever, you're going to trade it in for Bitcoin. Because Bitcoin's going to hold its hold its value a lot better. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Anyway, enough about that s- stuff. Um, this B2X, that's the Segwit2x. It's supposed to be a fork in November. They refuse to add replay protection. Still, there's this back and forth about opt in versus opt out replay protection. So they they're fine with adding opt in replay protection. That means by default, you're screwed. You have to have the technical chops to opt into this. Um, but every, I mean, the only way to survive for them is to do opt out. No one is going to trade this coin or no one's going to use this coin if there's no replay protection by default. Um, it, anyway, it's dying. Now F2 pool, which is a fairly large miner. They were, I think, second largest at one point, up to about 15% of the network or so. I think they're down around 8%, give or take of the network and so them along with slush pool who is officially what is it undecided they are most likely not going to support this and they're about five percent so right there you have down to 88 percent 87 percent and a lot i mean if it doesn't look if it looks like it's going to be contentious if it looks like there's only going to be maybe 75 percent as these people start pulling out businesses pull out bitwalla has pulled out so there's going to be a lot of a lot more defections coming a lot more defections and that's fine because they signed on for something they thought was different and I, i'm going to link to this in the show notes there was a tweet storm by god what was his name now he's from mit and pretty big guy in the space jeremy rubin um this was a tweet that he made right after this uh, new york agreement and he's talking about how um they they tried to use peer pressure for these companies, right? Like they said, Hey, there's 20 other companies assigned. This is going to happen. You might as well jump on board using coercion and fraud basically to get people to sign on. So these people signed on to something. They weren't sure what it was. They weren't sure how it was going to go. Now it's starting to look like everybody hates it and wants to get rid of it. So these companies are going to peel off. Imagine if you're a new entrepreneur and you start a business and you got an investment of a million dollars or something from DCG, a couple million dollars. And they come to you and they say, look, all of our other companies are signed. So you're going to be the only one of our companies that didn't sign this. You better sign this. What are they going to do? I mean, they probably didn't use that last phrase, but that's a lot of peer pressure. That's a lot of pressure put on those little companies. And of course they're going to sign it, but there's not that many companies out there that are actually party to this, especially exchanges. Let me pull up the different exchanges they have. Um, from what I see on the list, 
I see just a few exchanges. Coinbase, which is a surprise because they have been ultra conservative, and this is not ultra conservative by any means. This is an ideological play by Brian Armstrong, their CEO, as far as I know. Bitflyer, which conveniently is located in Japan where Roger Ver's headquartered at, so he probably has undue influence. He's probably an investor, major investor in Bitflyer. That's my opinion. Um, Crypto Facilities, which is a uh, futures type exchange. I've never used it. Don't know much about it. Via BTC, which is right in line with Bitmain and Roger Ver and all that, the cabal of Bitcoin. And lastly, I see Voltoro on here, which is a gold to Bitcoin exchange. So very, very low volume there. Interesting business, but very low volume. Not really that uh, um, pivotal of their support on this either way. And I, I can see them probably pulling out um, if, if it gets too much heat on them, um, exchanges that are not on this are the mo- the largest, the Korean ones, the Chinese ones, there is BTCC did sign this, but, uh, I think as like their mining arm, I don't know if they have agreed to support it via their ex- exchange because they have to be, uh, you know, compatible with the other exchanges. They're not just going to go out on their own and do BTC as this 2x that would be crazy uh, so all the korean exchanges all the chinese exchanges bitfinex bitstamp gemini which is the big new york exchange none of these have signed on to this they don't want it and exchanges are the biggest economic nodes out there that are going to be doing this and bitpay just came out now with a very kind of I don't know. Maybe it was some sort of coded message for help, but they said, no, we're, we're not, we're not, we're running Bitcoin and that is not following 2X. Well, they just said, they just had all this big controversy about Bit, BitPay and linking to BTC1 trying to get everyone to upgrade. So there, there's some confusion there. Maybe they're already a defector, even though they're squarely in the Bitmain camp. I mean, I think Bitmain is probably going to defect as well. They want Bcash. From my understanding, they want Bcash, and they want this 2x stuff to drive people into Bcash. But maybe they don't need that anymore. Maybe they think, oh, we can just spam and do our thing, and we can get people to accept Bcash through BitPay, etc., etc., and they don't need this 2x anymore. So I can see them even pulling out. All sorts of drama happening, but the bottom line is there is no consensus. And I had a tweet the other day that said, I'm going to start using social contract instead of consensus. I heard this from Mr. Hoddle on Block Digest, which is a show, new show by Chris Ellis on YouTube. I would go uh, go watch those. They, they have some really good stuff. But Mr. Hoddle was saying it's a social contract, and that's what it is. That's why consensus is so hard to change. So we have this unwritten social con. Well, it is written in in the code now, but it's a social contract out there that everyone has voluntarily opted in to for this uh, for Bitcoin. And now, if you want to change it, see how that's very hard. It's very hard to change a social contract once it's in there. You have to have a revolution of some sort, okay? And that's not good for money. That's not good for voluntary money. And most people won't follow it. They're trying to change the social contract. That's what this Segwit2x is trying to do. That's what all hard forks are trying to do. And that's why there will always be a minority. And now that the hash rate for Bcash has settled around 5%, that to me is like kind of this, it's going to be about this average of these forks. You're going to, after a year of political debate, you're going to be able to fork with 5% of the network. Is that what you want? 
I don't think that's what these people have in mind, but that's about what's going to happen. And that looks like that's what's happening here with Bcash. Bitcoin. Okay, my last story I have is on Ethereum. Vlad, if you guys know Vlad, he's one of the top developers for Ethereum. Um, he is, man, he's always been kind of aware. He's been the most aware, I think, of the developers. Because a couple months ago, he had a tweet about, hey guys, don't you think we should tap the brakes here? You know, so he's been very down to earth, aware of the risks, and he's starting to become aware of these inherent risks of disrupting things, disrupting these huge entrenched incumbents in the world, basically. There was a tweet out there that saying that um, blockchains are geopolitical risks or something like that. And he responded to that and said, that's pretty scary. Um, I wanted to read my tweet response to that. Uh, you guys probably follow me on Twitter, but if you don't follow me on Twitter, because this a lot of this stuff happens uh, between updates on these shows and, and you know, I can't get to everything. Um, anyway, so I said it's starting to sink in. Censorship resistance, decentralization, and being difficult to change are what enable geopolitical scale. So it's scaling is more, especially when you're talking about this disruptive technology, scaling is much more than a technical problem. It's a geopolitical problem. It's a legal problem, right? And with Bitcoin, since it's decentralized, censorship resistant, and hard to change, it, that enables it to grow despite geopolitical risks and geopolitical threats. But when you're talking about Ethereum, you have a centralized body with the Ethereum Foundation, a centralized effort. So there's this geopolitical risk. And if you're putting yourself out there as this developer that can change Bitcoin or change Ethereum on a whim, you become a huge target. This also ties into now Vitalik signed a deal with some Russian gangsters, I mean bankers, and um, they are getting him to build an Ethereum-like thing for them. Uh, this this kind of ties into what I say about all this. Anyway, you know, when you add all these I, IOC, uh, ICOs and all these tokens on top of Ethereum, they have contagion with each other. So if one ICO has a major hack, or look at Parity, Parity had their wallet, their major wallet had a hack, or their client had a hack, and it affected everybody, right? When you have these ICOs, one goes down, it can have a domino effect on everybody else. Why not just clone Ethereum and have your own Ethereum network for your own token? And that's what the Russians are doing here. They're like, clone Ethereum for us, basically. And he signed this. I mean, that kid's got balls. Because that is, those are some scary people there. I would not want to be involved with them. You know, maybe he didn't have a choice. I don't know. But you got to wonder about all these, um, these incumbents that are going to start peeling people off. I'm, I'm serious about this. That's why Bitcoin is their Its model is smart. It knows the risks. Satoshi knew the risks. The first, he disappeared when they started talking about going to talk to the CIA, when Gavin Andreessen was going to go get turned by the CIA. I mean, uh, talk to the CIA. So, um, you know, Satoshi knew the risks, and he designed the system to be this way, to be hard to upgrade. And that's a strength. When you're talking about Dash and, and some of these other coins that talk about governance and the ease of updating and the ease of changing the system as being a strength, they are naive 
These guys are going to come for them if they become successful. That alone limits your scale. Yes? It's a, it's an attack vector when you have ease of governance. That, and Bitcoin has the, the hardest network, the hardest code to upgrade. That's a huge strength for store of value, for price. Bitcoin. All right. Anyway, enough of that. So last thing I want to leave you guys with is uh, I am very, very bullish on Bitcoin right now. I mean, so much is happening. Segwit is so exciting. Lightning is coming on. Mimble Wimble will be soon-ish, maybe a year or two out. Sidechain's a year or so out. But there's just so much innovation about to explode in Bitcoin that I'm uber, uber bullish. But... But there's been a lot of people out there that have been saying this, talking about a million dollar price for Bitcoin, hundred thousand, half a million dollar price for Bitcoin. That is a little bit too quick. And a lot of, there's a lot of exuberance happening right now. The price is going up and I think it can continue to go up, maybe double from here, but it's not going to go to a million overnight people. So invest and trade with caution. All this irrational, it's not irrational exuberance, it's still rational exuberance right now, but it's, it can quickly get to irrational exuberance, okay? So be very ca uh, cautious of that. All right, that's all I have for today, guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support me and uh, help me uh, have an excuse for my wife to make more content, then uh, go support me at Bitcoin and Markets, or sorry, patreon.com forward slash bitcoin and markets i appreciate all my patrons i love you guys so much you uh get me out of bed in the morning to to do this stuff so thank you guys see you soon thanks for listening